Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, December 20th, 2020, we conclude our Christmas series titled Season of Giving. Today's sermon, Believers, the Gifted, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade. Enjoy. of the year that can so easily get hijacked. I mean, it's very easy for it to happen. I mean, we can, we can get into the Christmas mood and we start thinking about gifts that we're exchanging with people in our family and, and we, you know, we want to give that perfect gift and, you know, if you're a younger family, maybe it's, you know, you're just really targeted, well, I'm going to, you know, go out and I'm going to hunt it out and I'm going to find a PS5 for my kids or an Xbox or whatever, like, and, and, you know, the, the struggle that goes with all that, trying to find that. Maybe, maybe it's just the fact that you haven't been able to get away. You know, maybe the, the year itself has just been so difficult to deal with. Now you're thinking about, you know, having a family trip and having some fun together and getting some laughs so you're going to go skiing or whatever the case may be and everything is sort of going into, you know, getting this trip done. Maybe it's just the gathering of family together. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. In fact, all of those are good things. None of them are wrong. But none of them are Christmas. None of them are Christmas. The truth about Christmas is Christmas is a model of sacrifice, and that's not usually the way we we think about it. The very word Christmas is actually two words put together, Christ and Mass. Now, if you come from a Catholic background or if you're familiar with the Catholic Church at all, you'll understand that the Mass is actually a, a time where you stop and you reflect on the sacrifices that Jesus made in his death on the cross. Pretty drawn out kind of an experience. It's something that we would call communion typically. And if you think about it, every time we take communion, you probably heard the words written there in 1 Corinthians 11 as it talks about that, that every time you do this, you remember Christ's sacrifice until he comes. You remember his death. That is very un-Christmas-like for many of us. That word mass means Sacrifice. Think about that, Christ sacrifice. It's not a term we use a lot. I mean, you would never probably hear somebody say, Mary Christ sacrifice. We don't say that. We think of Christmas as this wonderful occasion, and truthfully for us, it is a wonderful thing, but it was costly. The sacrifice cost something. That's out of the realm of our norm. I mean, we think of reindeer and lights and, and the blow up, you know, toys and, 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 and all the other, you know, the presents and everything that goes with us. We don't think normally about sacrifice. And yet if you look at the most famous verse in all of the Bible, John three sixteen, you're gonna see sacrifices. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, not one of many. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish and have, but have eternal life. Then last week, Pastor Jeff Stevens talked about Jesus, the gift. The Father is the giver. The Son is the gift. 
Christmas celebrates Jesus' birth. He is the reason for the season. It's all about his sacrifice. In fact, you know, and when we get to January, we're gonna be doing a, a biblical worldview, but when we get to February, we're gonna start the book of Philippians. If you get to Philippians chapter two, you'll realize it talks about the fact that it was a sacrifice for Jesus to come and to take on flesh and to come into this life, to come to die to give his life for us, not something he had to do. He willingly did it. In fact, he even told us that in John chapter 10, verse 18. He says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own. He did that out of love. John 15, 13 says, greater love is no one than this, that one lay down his life for another. So sacrifice comes out of love. Now, what I want you to see from the very beginning here is I want you to see the model. To see the model. The father gave the son. He sacrificed him. The son gave his life. He sacrificed. What does that mean for us? What does it mean for us, the blessed ones? The fact that the father gave everything, he did everything for us. The fact that the son laid his life down for us. What does that mean for us? I mean, it means we're blessed. But it also means we have a model to follow. Take your Bible and open up to 1 Peter chapter four. Did you do that? 1 Peter chapter four. Peter here, one of the disciples closest to Jesus, stops here in chapter four and verse 10, and he says this. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, that's a really important passage here because it tells us two things here. It tells us what we're supposed to do. It tells us because you and I have received this amazing gift from God, that we are to do two things. We are to serve one another and we are to be stewards of God's resources. Well, how do you do that? You sacrifice. The very thing that both the Father and the Son did, we do. We are called to be generous as people. You'll see that in a moment. We're called to be committed to something beyond ourselves. I believe that God's word calls us to sacrifice three things our time, our talents, and our treasures. Not because we have to. I wanna be really clear about this. Salvation is 100% by grace through faith. Nothing has to be done. It's done already. The sacrifice that I believe God is calling us to is about living obediently as Christ followers. It's following the model. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 tells us that, that it says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In other words, he ought to follow the model. Well, folks, the DNA of Christ's followers is sacrifice. It's the true hashing out of God's call on my life is to learn to trust him, to surrender every part of my life to him, to view myself as simply a steward of everything that he has put in my life. It's interesting, too, that when you, when you stop and you look at those three issues that I mentioned, time, talents, and treasure, each one of them sort of has their own little issues when it comes to those. For example, time. 
I mean, we value time. For many of you, time is like the number one commodity. I mean, you'd rather have time than you'd rather have money. I mean, you'd say, look, can I write a check? I don't want to, I just need time. I need to be with my family or the choices that I want to make. This is what I really want to be all about. And so we do everything we can to sort of cut the things that are, you know, on the side and, and just remove those things away. And, and how can we, you know, speed things up and have quicker meetings? I mean, I, we've already all been to those seminars where, you, you know, you don't put, an off, or you put chairs in the office. You just have a stand-up table so that people can make up a quick meeting and then you get out and you get your next meeting and that's really what we want to do. And yet, the truth is we need to learn to invest our time. I mean, Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. We need to be investing in, in our getting to know the Lord. It's one of the reasons why we encourage people over and over again and say the first step of discipleship is attending. It's being in church because you need to know the Lord. You need to have time to stop and worship him and to pray. You need to make sure you're spending time with him personally. But you also need to invest in other believers. Believers that will be there personally to challenge you, to walk alongside of you, to pick you up if you fall, to encourage you, and you for, to do all those things with them. Then there's our talents. You know, every gift, talent, ability, skill has to be available to Jesus. Has to be. God makes each of us uniquely capable of serving him by serving other people. The possibilities are endless. I mean, there's no, no question that there are some people out there saying, you know, I've got this great ability that I can fix anything. Really? Well, then help someone that doesn't have the money to get it fixed. Well, what about, what about me? Well, what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm in the medical field. Great. We have widows in the church that cannot afford to go get you know, a health care check. Could you take a look at them and see if they should go? Well, I'm, I'm really good with finances. Great. Could you help the people that have budget problems in their life to learn to figure out how to get on a good budget? Well, I have the ability to do this. Use it for the kingdom. Invest in God's kingdom. Then there's our treasures. You know, it's the treasure part that has somehow become the taboo subject of the church. You know, talking about money and giving is sort of like the sacred line you dare not cross. And the result is, I think churches like us, I know us for certain, have been overly cautious. I mean, we don't even take an offering. Because we just don't want to be seen like that. And yet, it, the truth is, the more I thought about it and the more I studied the past week and looked at this, it shouldn't be like that. If we're gonna truly be Christ followers, there is no issue of my life that should not be on the table. Everything should be. I mean, we're actually kidding ourselves if we look at the Lord and we go, you know, God, I'm committed to serving you, so I'm gonna give you my time and I'm gonna use my talents for you, but God, if you start... If they start talking about money, I don't think they should go there, so I'm gonna go find a new place. Look, at, we're kidding ourselves if we think there's areas of our life that do not come under control of the king of kings. Now, why is it so important that we would give these things sacrificially to the Lord? Well, first of all, let me just say this, especially when it comes to the treasure part, it's not because the church can't pay its bills. There are two reasons I believe that God wants us to give sacrificially. 
The first one is personal obedience. You see, the, the, the regular way of keeping my priorities right in my life is to simply respond obediently. If God says give, I give. The second thing is, is a personal commitment to ministry. You see, when I faithfully give, it allows me to support the work of the local church, which I believe is what God wants us to do. In fact, that's what I think First, first uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 10 was really all about. It was the stewardship of the moment and building God's church. God wants us to reach our community with a gospel message, and yet if churches around the country or even around the world are not you know, responding sacrificially, they don't end up doing what they should do in their neighborhoods. And so, I think this morning we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna simply walk through how God views the time and the talents and the treasures that, that he's entrusted to us. Now there are three things here. The first part of this is the truth about our treasure and there are three parts to this first part so don't get lost on this one, okay? The truth about our treasure is this. First of all, God owns everything, everything. Job chapter 41, verse 11, God is speaking here to Job and he says, who was first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Everything's under heaven. Everything is his. Later on, you know, he tells Judah after Israel's already gone at this point uh, to the prophet Haggai in Haggai 2.8, he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. So God owns everything. Then beyond that, God even tells us that he takes responsibility for giving us the ability to make wealth. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses 17 and 18 says, beware. Boy, when you hear that, that's probably not one you wanna quickly run through. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. In other words, God is saying, you have stuff, you have it because I gave you the ability to do that. Amen. And it's, that's it. So not only does God own everything, God even has the responsibility or takes the responsibility for giving us the ability to make it, but at times God is gonna ask you to make it available to him. Le Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 says every tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees is the Lord it's holy to the Lord it's not just no big deal God considers it holy because he uses it to build his kingdom so God owns everything he takes responsibility for the power to make it sometimes he expects us to make it available to him when he calls now you get to the second thing Past the truth of our treasures is the purpose of our treasures. Take your Bible and go over to the left and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The passages here in chapters 8 and 9 are both about giving, I'm gonna tell you. In fact, the passage immediately before what we get to here in verse 10 is actually the place where he says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He loves a, 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 a giver that's actually excited about understanding what's going on. He says this starting in verse 10. 
He says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, he's saying God's gonna give us money for two reasons, seed for the sower and bread for food. Now let me give you an easy way to remember this. Seed is for giving, bread is for living. The seed is for giving, the bread is for living. God gives us money to live and to give. How do I know that? Go, keep going here. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce the thanksgiving to God. So in other words, God's gonna bless us to be generous and that abundance exists for generosity. By the way, remember the model? Father's the, the giver, son's the gift. Keep going here, verse 12. It says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. So in other words, two things happen. Number one is, is that when we give and the kingdom of God gets built, guess who gets glory? God does. But beyond that, also the ministry or the needs of the saints gets taken care of. The needs of the saints here tells me that the seed then is for the local church, wherever you're at because that's where the saints are. See, the local church should be a gospel center, a teaching center, an equipping center, a care center, much like it was in the first church in Acts chapter two, a place in your community where people can get help and hope and ultimately the gospel message. And so giving to the church is an investment in kingdom building. And as a result, the model of sacrifice God allows or giving allows God to use the local church. Now, keep going here. Go back over to your right to 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6, we'll start with verse 17. Paul writes and he says, for as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now, look up just for a second because I want to make sure I get this out here. God is not asking you to, bro to broke yourself and give every single thing away and live on the street. God is not asking you to do that. In fact, the passage here tells you that God gives you to enjoy what you need to make sure you put that together with is God also gives you to give seed to grow the kingdom. You should be thinking three things. You should be thinking, yep, God gives me money to live, money to save, money to give. Those are the three things. Now, keep going here. Verse 18 says, they, they are to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So in other words, he tells us two things here. You are encouraged at this point to do two things. You are to do good. In fact, the standard there is to be rich in good works and to be generous. Verse 19. He says, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. In other words, we need to be storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven. And truthfully, if you're an investment person, that's the best investment you could possibly make. Now, you know where that came from? Do you know where Paul's words came from there? Jesus. That brings us to the third point, and that is the challenge of treasure. 
the challenge of treasure. Go back to the left to the first of the Gospels, Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter six, starting at verse 19. Jesus says these words, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Okay, so why am I not supposed to lay up treasures in this life? Well, they won't last. They can, they can be gone, they can be stolen, they can be taken. Ultimately, they can get to the place where they would rust away because they aren't used and that tells me that they are not gonna help you in eternity. Now, I don't know if this is, you know, how, what age group this one would work on in, in this particular group, but anybody played Monopoly in the last two years, maybe? The game Monopoly? Okay. Anybody, who's, who's never played Monopoly? Can anybody hear? Okay, let me, let me explain Monopoly from my point of view. If you can just get Boardwalk and Park Place, and you get that one corner, and then you, you, know, you buy the little, you know, the little hotels and you put them on the thing, then every single time people come around the board like this, they just get whacked. I mean, they're just shelling out the money, you know, and, 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 they, and, and the whole point, I mean, really, let's be honest, the point of the game is, is to make them come around the board and you take all their money. To the point that they're selling off their stuff and, and everything, and at some point they just go, I haven't got anymore. That's it, game's over. I rule. Then you can mock them a little bit about their ability you know, to handle their finances and all the things that go with this. I mean, it's a great game, right? No, it's a sick game, really, if you think about it. Okay? It's really, it really is. But then it's over, and you put it back in a box, and you put it in the closet, and it's over, right? It's not like you can take those dollars from the Monopoly thing and go to the store and spend them. You can't take it you know, down to, to buy a new car and use Monopoly money. They're not gonna take it. The same thing is true with the treasures of this life. When we get to eternity, everything that we've laid up on this earth goes back in the box. It's useless to us. Instead, Jesus says this in verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. No one's gonna take it and it will be useful for you forever. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and, and confess something here before you. And I may be the only one, so I'll just go ahead and say it. But there have been moments where I've had in my life where I've actually wondered, could you have it both ways? Has anybody else ever? Yeah, I have. Um, can I have it here and can I have it there too? I mean, and I realize in all of that that it causes me challenge. There, there's a challenge here that comes out of this. Jesus addressed that in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Notice that little line there that Jesus said, you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You know what that tells me? That tells me that treasures create devotion challenges. Treasures create devotion challenges. They create scenarios in my mind where I go, I probably should do this. 
but I could do this too. You understand what I'm talking about? I mean, that's not a good place to be. I mean, scriptures encourage us to be careful in those moments. Hebrews 13, five says, keep your life free from the love of money. I mean, think about it like this. Have you ever in your lifetime heard somebody say, man, I hate money. I despise it. it. Makes me sick. I wish I could just get rid of it. Not typically. We live in a world that wants seemingly more and more. And so the issue that Jesus brings up here in chapter six, verse 24, is that treasures create devotion challenges. Jesus knew that. That's why he stops here in chapter six and he deals with all this issue. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but money is a really big issue in the scriptures because it describes where our heart's at so many times. I mean, Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven. He talked more about money than he talked about hell or prayer or faith. So clearly there is a reason for that. You know, personally, as your pastor, I believe actually, as the more I thought about it, I've sort of failed in this challenge to you because I've been overly careful. Jesus was not so careful. Go back to chapter six and look at verse 21. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, Jesus knew that whatever I do with my treasure is evidence of what really matters to me. See, I think Jesus is calling us out here in Matthew 6. The Father sacrificed the Son. The Son sacrificed his life. We're supposed to follow the model. Christmas is about sacrifice. It models sacrifice. You know, for many of us, the sacrifice of our treasures, I mean, I'll be honest with you, this is the final point of surrender for many people spiritually. This is the difficult one. This is the one that takes more to have to reach this spot. And yet, I hear more and more people when they do it, they go, you know what, I wish I would have done a long time ago because I've seen God's faithfulness. I want to encourage you. Until the Lord has access to my time and my talents and my treasure, he does not have access to my heart the way it needs to be. For some of you, it's not your treasure. Again, like I said, for some of you, it's time. Sacrifice is really a discipleship issue. It is at the core of what it means to follow Jesus. I want to encourage you that as a church, we practice two types of giving. We practice healthy giving and healing giving. Let me explain to you what that means. Healthy giving is about building healthy lives and healthy families. So we have ministry that we do for the entire family. We have programs for our children. We have programs for our students. We have opportunities for our singles and our young adults. We just began the porch and got an incredible turnout for all of that. We have men's groups that specifically just deal with what men are going through. Women's groups for the same. Couples groups that will deal with marriage issues, missions and service programs, counseling and care 
there so that when you're hurting, someone will be there to walk alongside of you and care about you. This is all about you know, providing health to a family, keeping them in the right spot. If you're in financial need, the church helps. We have programs for widows and orphans, and we have a widow's ministry that has over 200 widows in it. Not all of these widows can pay their bills. The list just goes on and on. All of it is focused on preventing difficulty. It's an investment in helping families and individuals live healthy lives. But it requires that we submit ourselves to the Lord and make the sacrifices he calls us to make. Healing giving is different. Healing is about seeing a wound and stepping up to help. It is much more emotionally driven. I mean, if you were to take a trip with us on one of our trips to Haiti, and you go down there and you see a little kid that half of their hair has fallen out because they haven't had enough to eat, you open your wallet. We all do. Because we want to step in and we want to help. We want our lives to count in that way. And so, and that's a hugely important part of what we want to do. The difference is one is preventing a problem and the other one is solving a problem. And as a church, we believe we ought to do both. You know, but there's an old truth that says an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. And so as a church... We feel like we need to be primarily focused on healthy giving. It is an investment in the kingdom of God and then respond as healing opportunities arise. As a church, we believe God uses us. This year alone, I mean, with people losing their jobs through a pandemic and incomes, we were able to come alongside people and pay mortgage payments, pay rent, pay utility bills pay medical bills, provide food, family necessities, fix broken automobiles, feed thousands of people in country and outside, help disaster relief, hurricane victims, even churches around us that are hurting. And I want to be really clear, this is not just about highlands. In our, our staff meeting on Tuesday with all of our staff, here's what we prayed for. God, would you fill up the churches that preach the gospel this Christmas and let them hear the gospel message and respond? Because it's not just about building one church, it's about building God's church and building the kingdom. That's what we want to be about as a church. In fact, I would encourage you again, I know Brendan brought that up and showed you, but when you get this book, read through it. You're gonna see some great things, amazing things that happen as a result of believers coming alongside and wanting to sacrifice. The season of giving is about sacrifice. Christmas is about sacrifice. It was modeled by the Father through the gift of the Son. It was modeled by the Son through the gift of his life, and we're supposed to follow the model. I want to encourage you to become this year a sacrificial giver. It starts with your time. I would encourage you to invest your time in your spiritual walk. That means you need to get into a small group. That means you need to make sure that you're in church because you're gonna get built up and challenged during that time. You can sign up online, you could stop back out here. In January, when our groups kick back off again, we are gonna spend four weeks talking about how do you build a biblical worldview? How do you learn to think through things as God would have us think through them? Then when it comes to your talents, I wanna encourage you, you need to invest in other people's spiritual lives, so you need to serve. We have plenty of opportunities. 
And then when it comes to your treasure, you need to invest in building God's kingdom. You say, well, how much? Does God want me to give every single thing I've got? No, God's not asking you for that. He may at some point in your life, but he's not asking for that. You know what he's asking? He's saying tithe. The tithe simply means 10%. For some of you, that's no big deal. For some of you, that would be like, I, there's no way I could even think about that. Let me encourage you. We wanna help. Not just because of what you would do in the church, but because you need your life to get things in order. And so we're gonna be hosting a class that is a Dave Ramsey class on, called Financial Peace. It will help you get all of these areas of your life together. They're gonna give you a bunch of books, a bunch of videos, uh, a lot of stuff in, in all of that. It'll start the third week of January on Tuesday night, the 19th. If you need help to be able to get into that class because you don't have the money for it, let us know. But then beyond that, here's what we'd ask you to do. Commit to a year. Commit to one year. Time, talent, treasure. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would move in such a way in our hearts that we would see the model the model of the Father making every sacrifice for us, the model of the Son giving his very life and we would follow the model. Lord, do a mighty work within our church and in the churches all around this valley, God, who preach your name. Would you do something amazing in those churches that they might do amazing things in their communities and raise up healthy families to love you and to walk with you? Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Time, talents, treasure, all of it matters. All of it needs to be laid at his feet. Can I encourage you, don't let there be one area of your life that you would say to him, that one's mine, you can't have. Trust God and watch him put his hand on you through all that. God bless you, love you all.